Listen, listen, listen. I, I, I love Jesus. And, and I, I really, um, <laughs> um, yesterday, if you were on social media, Pastor Edwin found this um, video of this lady named Mother Kelly. <laughs> and Mother Kelly was real direct in her prayers up to this lady. And basically ended up telling the lady, you ain't really come up here to do nothing. Go on back and sit down because I ain't got time to play with you. And Pastor Ellen says, that's going to be you at 70. And people's like, no, that's actually you now. <laughs> and so I, I just want to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to get into the words, see which way the Lord wants to go with this. But I want to talk to you um, because I want to get you to understand that um, I'm, I'm, I'm bothered by the way some of you respond to my Jesus. I'm challenged by the way that you treat him like he's just anything. But I don't blame you because I know that you do that because you grew up in places where the deacons had more value than the Holy Spirit. So I understand that many of you who grew up church, you don't know any better because you weren't taught any better. And so it's kind of like bringing somebody's kids to your house who've never been taught to jump on, not to jump on the furniture. You got to be a little patient with them because they weren't raised like you were raised. And so I really want to reset some things in your mind for where we're going. Because I believe that, um, I believe that we are in a great, great season. I, I want to show you a scripture. I love it every time Pastor Edwin releases a word to us. Um, because I love what he said today. He said, we're about to hit a wave, right? But that wave won't be for everybody. That wave is going to be for people who obey God. And one of the things that I've always had challenge with is not that I don't believe in the grace. I know we're absolutely saved by grace. Is that when grace begins to be taught in a way that it doesn't challenge the people to correct behavior. Because grace is actually the power to correct behavior. So it's what you could not do in your flesh. So maybe you couldn't stop fornicating, cursing, lying, stealing, doing drugs, whatever in your flesh. When you get saved, there is a power to do what you couldn't do before. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, say, this gospel is a gospel of power. Say, this gospel it's not just about morality and being nice people. This gospel is about power. And so at some point you have to begin to look for the power in your life. If you read the gospels and you see that Jesus would come into a place and there would be demons and the demons would be cast out and Jesus would come into a place and the people would be sick and the sick would be healed and Jesus would come into a place and upset religious teachers, then at some point you got to ask yourself why if he said those that believe would do greater works, why you aren't doing greater works? And you got to ask yourself, do you believe in the Jesus of the Bible or the Jesus that somebody created for you? The palpable, unoffensive, come as you are, stay as you are, Jesus. Well, that's not the Jesus of the Bible. Tell your neighbor, say, he'll take you just like you are. But he won't leave you like that. 
Anybody a witness that he won't leave you like that? Anybody that he took you just like you were, but he didn't leave you like that? In fact, God is so skillful at deliverance that he will deliver you from things you didn't know you were bound to. Like some of your bondage you know you bound to. And some of your bondage just by hanging with him, you'll mess around and realize you're not that anymore. The Bible says we should go from faith to faith to glory to glory, right? So last week I started teaching this series about uprooting the spirit of rejection. And we're going to still dig in this series, but there's some things that have to be set in motion for people to even understand what's happening in fellowship of champions, what's happening in the body of Christ, what it is that you see that's taking place. Listen. You should not go to church week after week and stay the same. You sh- I, 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 hear me. I'm not just talking about your intellectual capacity to memorize more scripture. I am talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, the fire of God that begins to separate you from what is your false identity. You may come with shame, you shouldn't stay shame. You may come with suicidal thoughts, you shouldn't keep them. You may come a fornicator, you shouldn't stay a fornicator because the power of Jesus is the power to save and deliver. Let's look at Isaiah 60. I love this because anytime there's a scripture, Pastor Edwin gives us these great prophetic words, and he really is setting the tone for where our church is going. But I want to let you know, our church isn't the only church that's moving in that direction. Now, you may not, if you don't know any other people that are moving in that direction, you need to broaden your friendship range because all over the body of Christ, we can see people that are aligning and bringing back some, that we're restoring some things to the kingdom that got taken away by people who was afraid of the Holy Spirit. A lot of you know exactly what I mean. You grew up in churches where you were afraid of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you weren't churched at all, don't worry about a lot of this church reference stuff. Just be glad that you weren't churched at all because then there's a lot of stuff you don't have to unlearn. But if you were churched, there are some things you have to unlearn. If you grew up as a citizen in the United States of America where you understand the rules and the regulations in the United States of America and then we drop you off in Germany, you got to learn to live a different way in order to be successful there because the laws aren't the same. And some things may look similar, but they're not the same. And so it's really important. That's why in, in, Mark, in Matthew 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Seek the kingdom and its standard, and you'll get the things. The challenge for many of us is that we've spent so much time seeking the things, asking God to release them, and wanting God to modify to our standard. Okay. And, and, and God is not our genie, nor is he our sanctified Santa Claus, nor is he obligated to give you everything that you want. Because some of the stuff you want isn't for you. Anybody ever wanted somebody that now you're glad you didn't get them? 
No, I'm going to ask that again. Anybody ever wanted somebody, and now you want to thank the Lord that the thing you was crying about, that God blocked it? So Anybody ever wanted a thing? Listen, one time we, we, we wanted this BMW. We wanted this BMW so bad. We got that BMW. I was so glad to get that BMW back to them people. Because just because you want something don't mean that you're supposed to have it. And sometimes you want it and you are supposed to have it. You're just not supposed to have it right now. And so hearing God is really important. So when Pastor Ellen gets up and says, hey, this God has already declared this is our year of great victory. Um, and the victory must be seen with your spiritual eyes in order to grab it with your natural eyes. The thing that you have to grasp about what he's saying here is that if you don't have any spiritual eyes, you'll use a way to try to grab stuff that God didn't tell you to grab. If you don't have spiritual eyes and you start hearing about a wave, you'll start claiming jobs God didn't give you. You'll start claiming people that God didn't give you. You'll start claiming things that God didn't tell you. Listen, I, listen, I, I believe in prophetic words. I believe in the release of telling people that they're going to be blessed and highly favored. I believe in that. I believe the foundation of New Testament prophecy is comfort and edification. But to tell people whose lives are drenched in sin that they're about to go to the next level and not talk to them about their sin is incomplete prophecy at best. At best. At best is incomplete prophecy. And one of the challenges is, I was saying, you know, seeker-friendly church. The problem with a seeker-friendly church is that in a seeker-friendly church, we don't want to say anything that makes anybody uncomfortable. We don't want to say anything that offends anybody. We don't want to sing too many songs about the blood because some people think the blood is gory. We don't want to tell people to lift their hands because they may be tired. We don't want to tell people that they should stand up because their feet may hurt. We don't want to tell people that they ought not be fornicating because, you know, everybody's doing something. We don't want to tell people that they shouldn't do illegal activity. We just like, just come on in the room and stay as raggedy as you were the first time you came in the room. And, and, and that's, that, that may be a gathering, but that ain't a church. So, let's look at Isaiah, and then we'll dig into some of this. And then I'm actually going to pray for some people today. And I don't think we're going to get back in really deep into the spirit of rejection until next week. Because Pastor Edwin is going to teach through some of it. We talked about it over, but I don't think we're going to get there today. Let's look at Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Sweet, when you read that, you should be excited because it says, Arise and shine. For your light has come, Jesus, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. But this is what he said. He says, while the light is rising up on you, gross darkness is going to be all around you. That's why the light that's on you going to be so easy to see because it's going to be darkness all around you. Really what God is saying to us is he's saying, let me purify you from the inside out so when the world is crazy around you, you're not tossed to and fro because the world is crazy. Because the promise of the kingdom is never that the world was going to stop being crazy. It's just that the light was going to get stronger on the inside of you. 
It says in the Gentiles, that means the people who are in bondage, they're going to come to your light and kings to the brightness of their rising. It says, lift up your eyes round about and see all them that gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons come from far and thy daughters to be nursed by thy side. So basically he's saying that in this season right now, this season of ways, man, people are looking for freedom. People are looking for life change. People don't always know that's what they're looking for. So sometimes when they come to a church and the church doesn't do it like the church that they used to do, used to being at, it throws them a little bit. But we owe people encounters with God way more than we owe them comfortable experiences. Say, say we owe people God encounters, not comfort. The Bible said the Holy Ghost would be your comforter, not the church service. And I think that that's really important because I think if you don't understand that, then as God starts doing things in the church, you don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. Hear me. One of the reasons we start dealing with, Pastor Edwin started teaching about being unoffendable, right? He's teaching about being unoffendable, not just because of the world out there, but because God knows there's some things in each one of us he needs to deal with. Tell your neighbor, say, you're saved, but there's still some stuff. That needs to be dealt with. Can I just talk to you? Some of you love Jesus, but you stubborn. Some of you love Jesus, but you rebellious. Some of you love Jesus, but you're dishonorable. Some of you love Jesus, but you're disobedient. Some of you love Jesus. We all got these things that God is working on the inside of us. And if you're a person who needs a seeker-friendly environment and you're easily offended, the pruning that God wants to do to you, you're going to miss it because it's going to make you uncomfortable. And then you'll just go back to a place that's comfortable for you and sit in your bondage. What you need to realize is that for everybody in here, there is a certain level of comfort in whatever dysfunction you sit in. If you have sat in dysfunction long enough, it is comfortable to you even though it is dysfunction. I used to work for Rape Crisis. We used to partner also with the Baptist Women's Shelter. One of the things that we learned that research tells us is that one of the reasons that women don't always leave men that batter them is that because even though it's insane, it's predictable insanity. I know that on Friday night when he get drunk, this is what's going to happen. If I go out here in this new place that y'all keep telling me I should go, I don't really know what's going to happen out there, so it's easier to manage this predictable dysfunction. You know what's funny, though? Everybody who's free is like, girl, just leave. Girl, just leave. The same ability that you have to see that she should just leave, do you have it to see that you should? Do you have it to see that you, you, you see that she should just leave because he ain't no good. But do you see that you should stop being rebellious? That you should stop being stubborn? That there are people in your life that you need to cut off? That there are things in your life that you need to stop doing? It's always easy to see the path of freedom for somebody else. Everybody knows what somebody else should do. It's it's fascinating to me. Some of the best marriage counselors get divorced. 
It's not that their stuff didn't work. It's that they didn't do it. They didn't work it. Some of the best people who teach other people to make money don't make money. Pastor Elwin was saying the other day, he was talking about um, golf, and he was talking about golf coaches who help golfers make millions of dollars, but they don't make millions of dollars. It would seem that if you could teach a swing, you could swing. But there is a tendency to be able to tell people to do things what you don't do yourself. If you're going to be free in this season, the same level of dedication that you are thinking other people should do will be required of you. Say it's required of you too. It's required of me too. All right, so I'm just going to give y'all, I just want to kind of set this up because I think that this is really important. Let's go to um, Ephesians 4. It's good, Pastor Edwin set y'all up. He gave y'all some good teaching today so you can take your notes about giving. You can read over them. You can read over the prophecy. But now this is really kind of like some John 15 pruning, identify yourself, see where yourself is, and then let the word change you. Say the word will change me. If I let it. The word will change you if you let it. There is no can't in the kingdom. It's not that you can't stop cursing. It's that you don't want to. It's not that you can't stop fornicating. It's that you don't want to. It's, that you, it's not that you can't fast. It's that you don't want to. It's not that you can't pray for more than 15 minutes. It's that you don't want to. It's not that you can't speak in tongues. It's that you don't want to because it's a free gift to every believer. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm coming back to that. Ephesians 4. Let's start. um, Let's start at verse 8. Nope, let's start at verse 1. I mean, verse 4. Ephesians 4, verse 4. It says, there is one body, shout one body. And one spirit, shout one spirit. So there's one body, one spirit. Even as you are all called in one hope, shout one hope of your calling. Say one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all. So he says that there is this oneness. He says even though the church looks different, he says the, the body of Christ, has one father, right, one son, one Holy Spirit, right, and it's one body, right? So let's keep going. It says, but unto every one of us is giving a grace according to the measure of the gift of God. Say, there's a grace on my life. So it says, it's one body, one father, one son, one spirit. But from that Godhead, every person is given one measure of grace. So, say that's different. So it's one, but it's different. Why? Because God pulls out of himself and gives each one of us gifts and graces according to his purpose and plan for our lives. Amen? So there's a purpose and a plan for everybody's life, right? And, but it all comes from the same source. 
So whether you're creative or whether you're not creative or whether you're an administrator or whether you do hair or whether you do nails or whether you prophesy or whether you're called an intercession or whether you teach or whether you serve, it all comes from one spirit. One spirit, right? So then he says, okay, look at this. He says, wherefore he says, who has ascended upon us high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now he that ascended, that's Jesus, which is he that also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended is the same also might have descended far above the heavens and the earth. Basically, I'll make that real easy for you. This is what it says. It said Jesus died. Jesus went to hell. He took the power back from hell. He came back to earth. He gave believers power. Everybody believed who got power. And then he went to the right hand of the father and sat down so it says it talks about how jesus exercised power in all three realms power on the earth power over hell and power in heaven that means that jesus has power over all the power say my jesus has power over all the power why is this important? Because if you understand that your Jesus has power over all the power you will stop saying what you can't get free from because whether the thing that is attacking you came from the earth realm or underneath, your Jesus dealt with both of them and gave you power. Say, I have power over all the creeps. Over all the creeps. Whether the creeps be on earth, whether the creeps be underneath the earth, whether the creeps came from your bloodline, whether the creeps is on your job, whether the creeps is inside of you, you have authority over all of the creeps. Right? Say, I have power. Say, bondage is not my name. You have to begin to understand that because if not, we create church as a place where people come to check a box but not to experience deliverance. So you come to church to say you came to church. And you feel good because you came to church. But what did you get at church that gives you power over the creeps you will deal with throughout the week? Amen. So then he says, and then he says, verse 11, this is important. He says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Okay? Verse 12, why did he give them? Why did he give them? For perfecting of the people of God. Well, why did he want the people of God to be perfected? No, this Bible study you should be reading. You should make sure I'm not lying to you right now. Valley said, all right. He said, amen, make sure I'm not lying to you right now. <laughs> for the perfecting of the saints, for what? For the work of the ministry. Here's the problem with a seeker-friendly church. It doesn't teach the people to work. It teaches the people to come and have comfortable experiences because they think that every word is just about making your outside life as wonderful as possible. But the fivefold ministry was given for the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means maturing. That means God wants you to grow up. Say, God wants me to grow up. How many of you got kids? How many of you would like your 27-year-old to act like they, your kid at three? Anybody? I know people be saying, oh, I don't want my babies to grow up, but I always say, you don't really mean that. You don't really mean that. You really want them to grow up. You know, because it's cute that Blake is sitting in Rick's lap right now. 
But if she was 37, that wouldn't be cute. We'd just be like, that's odd. That's strange. That's weird. Right? Right? And, and, and it's acceptable that you change the diaper of your one-year-old. But who's signing up for changing the diaper of your 17-year-old who's perfectly capable of going to the bathroom, but they just don't feel like going to the bathroom? And so they just use the bathroom on themselves, and then you lay their big cells up on one of them big old things, and you change them and wipe them off. With. And if, if you saw that, some of y'all who mamas, you shake your head, you like, nope, I'm not doing that, right? What I'm trying to get you to understand is that God did not put you in a body to be a perpetual baby. You're not in the body to stay a baby. At some point, you ought to grow up and be able to do some work of the ministry. When I say work of the ministry, I don't just mean serving in the church. Now, if you're in a church, you ought to be able to serve. Tell your neighbor, say, if you're in a church, you ought to be able to serve. I am going to quote Caleb Strickland right here. So if you don't like the language, it came from Caleb. But I happen to like the language. He says, if you are a part of a church and you do not serve, you are what is known in the environment as a parasite. If you are in a church and you do not serve, you are known as a parasite because you suck from the host, but you don't add any value back. Don't, ain't nobody going to help me. Valerie, can you give me some music because they're not going to help me today. They're not going to help me. I'm going to need some keyboard help because I ain't going to get no saint help today. I ain't going to get no saint help. So I'm just going to talk about it because then people start saying things like this. Oh, yes, thank you, Holy Ghost. People start saying things like this. People start saying things like, well, I'm a greeter, but I can't greet but two weeks every six months because I get tired. That means you ain't got no perfection on your life because you don't understand that this work of the ministry ain't just for you to come and sit. It's for everybody to come and work and grow and then go out there and change the world. That's, can I help you? That's why it vexes me that you got to tell people to come to church when it's raining. How you love Jesus and somebody got to tell you to come to church when it's raining? You know who you have to say that stuff to? Babies. You got to tell babies to get up and come to church when it's raining. You got to tell babies to keep coming to church when God bless them with the job. You got to tell babies not to trade God for the man they was praying for. That's the stuff you got to tell babies. You ain't got to tell mature saints that we still, yes, we going to have a vacation. And I'm not saying we can't ever miss church. But from June to September, we ain't going to miss every week of church because we out kicking it. It's okay if you don't like it. I'm just telling you because in order to do the work of the ministry, shall grow up. No, you didn't shout it. You just said it shall grow up. If you're going to be who God called you to be, you got to get the anointing on your life to grow up. To grow up. To do the things that you don't want to do. One of the mistakes in American church is that you think if you don't want to do it, it can't be God. You think if you don't feel like doing it, it can't be God. That ain't Bible. That's Americanism. It's Burger King, have it your way. It's do what makes you feel good. Can I help you? Some of the stuff make you feel good, go mess around and send you to hell. And if it don't send you to eternal hell, 
it's going to let you live in hell on the earth. So we ain't got to debate about which hell. Just know that some of the stuff you want to do will create hell for you. So you have to be able to discern, even though I live in America, I'm really called to a kingdom that requires more than most people give. I'm, okay. People like to talk about grace, right? You're not going to like this, but this is actually Bible. You can look it up. And people want to make you think that grace relieves the responsibility of obedience. But I'm going to show you that grace actually ups it. In the Old Testament, Jesus, I mean, in the Old Testament, they said if you have sex with a woman that's not your wife, it's adultery. In the New Testament, Jesus said if you looked at her with lust, you already had adultery. Why? Because there was a supernatural anointing released on you once you belonged to him to be able to stop doing what you couldn't do before. You couldn't stop doing it by yourself. Say, that's why we need Jesus. That you couldn't stop doing it by yourself, but then Jesus comes along and Jesus constrains you. How does Jesus constrain you? Because all of the constrainment isn't in the moment, right? He constrains you by putting you in a church that begins to perfect you. He begins to put you in a church that begins to perfect you, that begins to give you the word, and then you get a word like Pastor Elwin teaches in Romans 12 and 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you begin to understand, oh, the reason I keep dating the kind of people I date is because my mind jacked up. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pause on dating right now. I'm going to renew my mind and so that I can make sure that the next time I date, I date well, because the reason that I keep creating hell in my life is because I keep going after what I feel instead of what God said. Amen. For the perfecting of the saints. Say, God wants us to grow up. Keep going in. For the edifying of the body of the Christ, of body of Christ. Say, say this together. Say, God cares more about the body than the individual parts. What does this mean? God cares more about the perfecting of the entire body and the edifying of the body than what you individually want to do. Pastor Ellen gets up here and tells us all the time, people will come to him and they'll recruit him for a job. And the job that they'll recruit him from is trying to take him someplace other than here right now, right? The job is going to pay more money. It's going to offer more benefits. It's going to be an opportunity to climb the corporate ladder, right? What does he say? What, what does he do? Does he take the job? Why, why doesn't he take the job? Man, do you think he doesn't want the job? If somebody offers you a job making two or three times of what you're making right now, do you want it? Do you want it? Why doesn't he take it? Because why? Because it's not what what? It's not what who said? The challenge for some of you is that you are your own God. Which is why you pick and choose what you want to do. I'm just trying to help us because we are about to catch a wave. And if you your own God, you go miss the wave because you're going to be over here chasing stuff that you shouldn't be touching in a season. Why? Because God cares about the edifying of the body. So when God places you in a church, I'm almost done. When God places you in a church, he doesn't place you in a church just because of what you're going to get. 
God doesn't place you in a church just because of what you're going to get. People are like, I need a word. I need to change my life. I want to change my life. Yes. And then he places you in a church so that you can also give back the gifts. Remember, we started with everybody has a different grace. Why? Because everybody can't sing. Everybody can't greet. Everybody can't work with kids. Everybody can't cook. Everybody's not called to evangelism. Now, we all call to discipleship, but everybody's not called to evangelism. Some people just have an anointing. Man, we went on a cruise one time with this lady, um, Sister Kenothi. Sister Kenothi was just an evangelist, baby. She could lead people to Christ. Everywhere we went, she led somebody to Christ. I'm serious. Every single store we went in, in the jewelry store, she got people crying, giving their life to Christ. There's an anointing for that. We can all disciple. Everybody don't have that right there. Everybody doesn't have, everybody's not an apostle. Everybody's not a prophet. Everybody doesn't have the gift of administration. Everybody's not a teacher. So when God places you in a church, he doesn't place you there to be a parasite. He places you there to get rude word that changes your life so you can offer your gifts back with purity. All right. Y'all all right? It says, let's go back to verse 12. Let's read verse 11 again. I'm going to read it verse 11 and read it all the way through. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teaching teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come into the unity, shout unity, unity. of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then verse 14 tells you why. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness where they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him into all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fit, fitly joined together compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love here's what I'm saying here we are one part of an entire body one part of an entire body Fellowship of Champions is one part of an entire body. It is important for everybody in Fellowship of Champions to grow up so that we can do our body function well. So we can do our part well. So that when the body is joined together, it's not our part that's infecting the body. That's what I said to you last week. What's our part? Our part is way more aggressive than some other parts of the body. Our part is about deliverance. Our part is about the move of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know what we want people to say about Fellowship of Champions. We want people to say about Fellowship of Champions. You sick, can't get well, go to Fellowship of Champions. You got some demonic oppression on your life that you can't get free, call somebody from Fellowship of Champions. That's what we want people to say about us because that is the work of the ministry. The reason that I'm saying this is because as we get into more of this deliverance, this, um, dealing with the spirit of 
rejection, dealing with the spirit of pride, dealing with the spirit of whatever we're going to deal with, you need to understand that it is possible for you to be a believer and still be bound by a lot of spirits. And you have to be careful that you don't let the enemy displace you and have you absence during the time that your deliverance is supposed to come forth. And that if you're going to be gone, that you still make yourself govern underneath that word. Pastor, Evan, let me ask you a question. When you taught the spirit, the series about being unoffendable, did you learn some stuff about offense in your own life? So when we're teaching to you, we not just like, ooh, you, not us. In fact, some of the stuff, I'm like, I don't even understand why we got to talk about it because I'd really rather not talk about this right now. I mean, must we talk about this? But he's trying to perfect us because we have work to do, and that work to do is about healing us so we can impact more people. Pastor Em was saying, hey, if you're easily offended, you're not going to be the handle when the church grows. Why? Because somebody go sit in your seat. And somebody go park where you used to parking. And somebody go come to church and they not go out and know all the protocol about how to come to church and they go do stuff that's going to be weird and strange and you go have to learn how to love them anyway. But if you easily offended, then you'll be like, I ain't going to church today because we always got all them strange new people coming. You used to be a strange new person. Like you used to be one of the strange new people. We know you now, but you were one of the strange new people. No, how do I know? Because we started the church. So everybody who came after that was a strange new person. Our kids were strange and new. We didn't even have all our kids when we started the church. So everybody who came after me and Pastor Edwin was strange and new. But you can't be easily offended because the people strange and new. You also can't be easily offended because somebody starts digging around in your soul realm identifying parts of you that you didn't know was in there. So you didn't know that you was dealing with rejection. You didn't know, you, you may not know that you have a rage fam problem because everybody in your family angry. I mean, if everybody in your family, really, if you grew up in a family where everybody hollering, and cussing, and screaming each other out, you may not even know that's not normal. You think that's normal because that's what you, you like, listen, and I, you know, you like where we grow up, we just go for broke. Hey, everybody's family ain't going for broke over Christmas dinner. That ain't how everybody's family go. Some people actually sit down, have dinner, wear matching pajamas, take pictures, go on vacation together. But if you don't know that, you think that's normal. And then you get in an organization and you think the way you show your love is to go for broke. You're just going off like, whoa, hold on. Or you're fragile. Your feelings are easily hurt. And you don't know that's because you deal with rejection. Right? So I'm going to tell you this, and then I'm actually going to pray for some people. The Lord was giving me this because he wanted me to, un to help you guys understand. I thought it was so dope to Pastor Elwin. Listen, let me tell you about Pastor Elwin. Pastor Elwin, listen, it ain't real bad. So years ago, I'm going to tell you how I got called to preach, which was different than how he got called to preach, because God deals with people differently based on their, who they are, right? So some of you know this story. Bear with me. You watch movies over again. You can listen to my story again, okay? <laughs> so um, I grew up in a Baptist church, and I grew up in a kind of Baptist church where if a woman was a preacher, she was going to hell, and she had a Jezebel spirit, okay? So 
when I first thought that I was called to preach, I was like, oh no, the devil trying to set me up. I'm not finna be caught out here. I'm not going, mm -mm, I'm not going. I had heard all my life that women weren't supposed to preach. So um, Edwin grew up church God in Christ, and the very first Sunday that we go to his church together, his pastor used to do this thing called round-robin preaching. Round-robin preaching was this thing where he would say, the following seven people are about to preach. So-and-so, three minutes, so-and-so, three minutes, so-and-so, whatever, right? So he's naming off people, right? They just found out. They didn't get no text because that's why the Bible says to study, some of y'all get nervous. Like, you like, are we about to end with round robin preaching? Look, baby, they got scared. People was grabbing their bags in the back. They're like, hold on. Uh-uh, because if I don't trust you got a word, I wouldn't give you this mic. Because up in Fellowship of Champions, um, Caleb will turn the mic off on you if you don't preach the word. So anyway, we was in church, and his pastor got up, Bishop Anderson, and he, he began to name people. Like, say, for example, he said Elder Valley, Sister Valley, um, um, missionary, missionary Valley, and then he says, you know, Minister Green, blah, blah, blah. And then he says Elder Strickland, and then Missionary Strickland. And so I look at Edwin's mama, and I say, I say, I didn't know you was a preacher. And she said, girl, he talking to you. Listen, I got to tell y'all, I was scared with everything in me. This, first of all, I can't be a preacher because I'm Baptist and I'm going to go to hell. But this man done told me that I got to preach. And so I was sitting beside Edwin and literally every scripture in the Bible I knew had faded away. I didn't know nothing in the word. Listen, I couldn't think of where nothing was. I didn't know nothing. And I happened to look over on Edwin Page and see what he was reading. So I went to that. Well, when he had first called us, he had said that Edwin was going to go before me, but when it was time to preach, I went before Edwin. I preached his message. <laughs> now, listen, in all fairness, work with me. In all fairness, that was my first message. He had preached a lot. He ought to be to pull something next, right? I wasn't, I wasn't trying to steal his message. I just was so terrified. <laughs> That I didn't know anything. And, and he got a Thompson, so beside his Bible, he got little notes to tell you what the stuff means. I just leaned on over there. I was like, amen. I got there. I preached. Listen, the, while I was preaching, he was staring daggers at me because he hadn't, he hadn't taught himself the unoffendable word. <laughs> so he was pretty offended, right? From that day to this, 20 years ago, that dude won't tell me what he preaching. <laughs> From that day to this, so uh, uh, to this day, if I say, babe, what you preaching? He'd be like, I'd be like, babe, let me, let me see your notes. Now, he probably should go through the forgiveness exercise for it. Y'all can pray for him. I mean, I think, don't y'all think it's time that he give me another chance? I mean, he should give me another chance at this point. He probably not, though. Just pray for him. I said that to say, so I think it's cool because out of that, one, I got activated in a call that I didn't know I had. I'm going somewhere with this. You like, she laughed, but I'm going somewhere with this. One of the challenges for how many of you have grown up is that you were taught that prophecy must confirm. But that's actually not Bible. When Samuel goes to find David, we don't have any evidence that David knew he was already king. 
Isaiah, Isaiah 43 says, shall he not do a new thing? If you already know the scope of your life with God, why you need God? So God raises up people to see in you what you cannot see in yourself. And I believe that's why the devil hates prophecy and gets the church to hate prophecy because you, because you don't understand that a prophetic word is a word about your future. I'm going somewhere with this. So God will use a prophetic word to separate you from your past that was meant to destroy you. You understand what I'm saying? So God will raise up somebody. Every prophetic word won't come from this. Somebody may just walk up to you and say, um, I was praying for you and the Lord told me you were going to get a new job. Now you're struggling because you don't think you can afford to get a new job because you ain't got enough skill. But then God releases a word that can separate you from the identity that you had about. What is that? It's perfecting the saints. So understand how prophecy works. God uses a man who's out of my denomination to see something on me that even if I could see on myself, I couldn't own that I saw on myself because I had too much stuff from my past that wasn't going to let me embrace it. He takes Pastor Edwin, gives him a call to be a pastor. When he was three years old, I'm going somewhere with this because I'm going to prophesy to some of you because I want to help you and some of you go prophesy to each other. When Edwin was three, were you three? When she about three years old, you've heard his mama laugh and joke about how bad he used to be. But when he was three years old, he was in service, and a bishop prophesied over him that he was going to be a pastor and he was going to be used by God. You don't understand that that word gave heaven legal right to cancel all of the assignments of destruction against his life. That's why you ought to want a word. I'm not saying just a word. You ought to want to be able to hear God for yourself, but you shouldn't despise the gift of prophecy because God will literally use a prophetic word to break you up with rejection, to break you up with a wrong identity. He'll use it to give you a vision of where you're heading. And this is what the Lord said to me this morning. It blessed me so much. He said, when I gave y'all a word for Jordan, all I did was give you a prophecy. When I told you she would talk, her past and her present said she couldn't. But I gave you a word to be able to see something in the future that would drive your behavior. Understand that if you don't get a word for the future, all you stuck with is the present and the past. That's why Pastor Elwin will get up and say, I believe that there's some people in this church that God wants to double your salary. You got to learn that when God says something like that, that you don't worry about how your salary going to be doubled. You just go, I believe I receive. So we got to teach you how to respond to what God is doing and how to get a journal and start writing down in your journal things that God is saying. Because every prophetic word you get, it may not be for right now. And then he'll come back later. And be like, remember that? Pull it out. Just like you need a wheelhouse of scriptures, you need a wheelhouse of words. You, need, you don't need to go to church with people who can only see what's in front of them. 
You need to go to church with people that can look on the inside of you and find where God is taking you. You need to go to church with a people that even when you laid up in the bed with a dude that ain't yours, that they can see you called to the nation preaching the gospel and they're able to give you a word that gives you strength to get up out of that bed and step into your identity. You can't do that having regular church. You can't do that having regular church. We got miracles in this room right now because somebody could see beyond that moment. I just want you to stop and think for a second. What if you had quit at your previous past worst moment? What if you had not been able to see? See, that's the spirit of suicide. The spirit of suicide says it won't get greater later. That's why you got to have a prophetic word that says, baby, you may be in depression right now, but I see you. I see you in a wide open space. I see the things that were tormenting you being pushed back away from you. I see the joy of the Lord on your life. I see rejection breaking off of you. That's why you cannot, you cannot get bored or aggravated with prophetic words. 